I'm Grant Berry. Welcome to the Romans 911 podcast. We're stepping into the reconnection in the one new man into John 17, love and unity is becoming a reality. Beloved, today I want to focus and introduce to you the Romans 911 webinar. There are three focuses to the Romans 911 Project media plan. The first is actually the webinar, which we're going to listen to today. The second is this podcast that we're on, Romans 911 Podcast. And then our third and final focus for the media plan is the Romans 911 Talks. And these are interviews with various messianic and gentile leaders that are moving into the reconnection message as well as to interview other leaders to enter into dialogue and discussion to really bring this message to the threshold of the church that is now our mission in these next few years that the church the greater church at large would have the opportunity not just to hear the message but also to understand and embrace the significance of the reconnection message during these days. And as we know, it's like a golden key that opens the door to the Father's end time plans, but it only comes by spiritual revelation. And indeed it has been hidden during the church age and is really only just now coming to light in its fullness as we come into the unveiling of this mystery that Paul challenged us not to be ignorant about as we come into the fullness of the Gentiles and Israel's salvation. Our approach to the Romans 911 Project webinar is to basically have almost like a, a virtual Bible study, a format where believers can come in over Zoom from different nations and we can come together in love and unity and really begin to dialogue. And the way we've set up the webinar focus is we've worked with, for a couple of years before we even launched the media program, many different leaders and watchmen that have gone deeper already into this reconnection message. And we've invited them to be panelists with us. And so what we do is I host the uh, webinar and I have one topic that I bring to light to give a brief description. And then I open it up for the panelists to dialogue and share. And then for the other half of the webinar, we're totally open to you, the beloved, with any questions, concerns, and you can feel free to enter into dialogue with us on these issues and i tell you there's a very necessary part of this restoration which requires us coming together and talking things through without any negative emotions but in a, a positive dialogue that we can begin to really unpack and expose the way the evil one has fostered separation between us 
in these days and in these next few years, I believe we're going to see the Father release a greater measure of His love through us that will enable us to melt away the obstacles and work through our differences. So we're very pleased to introduce to you several recordings over the next few weeks that we're going to be listening to from our webinar podcasts. And if you'd like to join us, we meet the first Thursday of each month. You can go onto the Romans 911 website, romans911.org, and sign up there. And when you sign up, we will send you a free copy of the Romans 911 second edition. Beloved, blessings to you and, and enjoy this podcast. Lots of love. Welcome, everyone, to the Romans 911 Project webinar. We're stepping into the reconnection and the realignment in the one new man is becoming a reality. We're uh, blessed tonight to uh, kick off the new year. This is a family affair as we step into this restoration in the one new man and to the reformations that are coming and the new wineskin that's coming uh, from the father. It's all about family. It's it's relational. It's all about love. And so, we're, uh, you know, it is so important in these days as we move into this restoration to be able to have a, a, a loving place where we can uh, trust one another and lovingly share different thoughts and opinions. So we welcome your comments, um, all different questions. Our focus tonight is on understanding the fullness of the reconnection message. Now, beloved, I, I want to tell you, I'm often asked these days, please explain the reconnection message to me. Come to my church and, and explain this message to me. And, and I, want to, I just want to say that it is simply not possible to fully describe the reconnection and realignment message in the one you man in a 40-minute sermon. And the reason for that is because it, it is so multifaceted. In order to be able to understand it, uh, there are so many different dimensions to it. Of course, the, the, the glory that was on the church in the first century when Jew and Gentile first came together, the fire and the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the miracles and signs and wonders that were being poured out on the original church when when that love and unity that Yeshua created at the cross was operating to build the church throughout the nations. But then we know that things began to change. Um, the schism that was brought about uh, when the church uh, nationalized with Rome and broke away from its Jewish roots and heritage, the woundings in both sides of the family, the generational bloodline issues, the sibling issues between Jewish and Gentile believers, the theological issues and the eschatological issues. Isn't it interesting? Do you ever think why there's so many different end time views in the church that there's almost like, like an, a, a huge amount of confusion when it comes to the end times? And so there, there are lots of things to unpack here in fully uh, being able to explain this message. And, and what I want to focus on tonight is basically to address the obstacles 
some of the the major obstacles in the way. And so to to kick off the discussion tonight, I've I've asked Gurney Hunt to basically ask the question. Well, first of all, to to do his best to summarize the obstacles on both sides of the family, and that are really holding the body back and keeping us separated for the one you man. There's a great need for us to be able to understand the things that the enemy is using to keep us divided and separate that the Lord now wants healed and restored. So, Gurney, I'm going to hand it over to you, brother, to kick us off tonight. Okay, so I'm going to divide the obstacles into two sections. What's hindering the Gentiles and what's hindering the Messianic believers. <clears throat> Before I get into that, I'm going to just make the point that's made in the book. The uh, one new man was in the heart of God from the beginning of Scripture when he called Abraham and said, I'm, I'm going to bless you, and through you, all of the nations will be blessed. And so this is not something we just cook up because Yeshua showed up you know, a couple thousand years later. God's intention all along was for his chosen people to demonstrate who he was, that through them Messiah would bring unity to all of the people and he would get them on his side. So what's been happening now, you know, it's kind of interesting. I have what I call sort of four hindrances on the Gentile side. Um, I'll just go through them and talk about them briefly. And then I have like three on the Messianic side, but they're interrelated. Um, the big one on the Gentile side is anti-Semitism. Somehow, the next one I have is replacement theology, and the next one after that is a limited knowledge of Scripture, and the next one after that is pride. Okay, and all of these are interrelated. Anti-Semitism is either blatant or generational. People are either anti-Jewish because they, for whatever reason, or they've inherited an anti-Semitic perspective from their family for whatever reason. And, and a lot of that has to do with the second one, which I call replacement theology. And replacement theology is a false doctrine that says that now that the Gentiles have, made, have, have met the Lord, they replace Israel as God's chosen people. This is not true. The Old Testament makes it very clear that, you know, the sun can stop shining and the earth can stop turning before God will abandon his chosen people. So, so the influence of that perspective has caused a lot of disconnection between the Gentiles. It's interesting, it's interesting that in the beginning, the Jewish believers, we know from Acts 10, thought that the Gentiles had to become Jewish in order to become Christian. And that question was answered. And then the way that question was answered, it's also clear that the Jewish believers don't have to become Gentiles to become Christian. There, there are two expressions of God's body. There's a Gentile expression and a Jewish expression, and it's one body in Him. And those two expressions cover all of creation. The second issue is a limited knowledge of Scripture. We have the First Testament and we have the Second Testament. And the very way that they're sometimes named in the Bible, one is called old and the other is called new, implies this replacement theology thing. It says, oh, this one's old, it's worn out. And this is new, this is where we focus. But that's not what God said. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, not to, re not to replace it. And the, fine, the, fine, the final thing is pride. Um, 
The scripture says very clearly that the gospel is to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. That's the way Jesus did his ministry. That's the way Paul brought the gospel to the Gentile world. He always went into the synagogues first and then he went to the Gentiles. And it's the model of how the gospel is to spread broadly across the world. That model, the gospel to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, revolutionized the first 300 years of the church. On the Messianic side, we have consequences for these things on the Gentile side. We have 2,000 years of oppression by Gentiles of Jewish people. A lot of Jewish people look at, gen look at Christians as if their purpose is to persecute Jews. A lot of Jewish people think, for example, that Hitler was a Christian or many others who persecuted Jewish, whether it was in Spain or in Italy, wherever. But that's just, that's a side effect of the, of the deception that the Gentile church fell into. The second thing is that there's a spirit of rejection, which leads to a religion, a religiousness and a legalism, where people feel like, oh, you have to worship God in this way in order to be uh, a messianic believer, or you have to, you get, you get tied up in a bunch of rules and regulation, and some, sometimes even in liturgy. There's actually nothing wrong with liturgy, as long as it doesn't hinder the flow of the Spirit between the Lord and His people. Gunny, you talking about the messianic side of the family? Yes, right I'm talking about the messianic side. Yeah. And, those uh, are, uh, for those you don't know, those are Jewish believers. Gunny yeah. um, started off speaking about um, Gentiles, children from the nations, and and now he's uh, he's moving on to discuss some of the issues on the messianic side. All right. Um, and the third the third thing that causes um, some interference is. Um, there needs to, there is a uniquely Jewish expression of 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 a walk with Messiah. The point here is, when Jewish people come to meet the Lord, they come home. They, when I met the Lord, I'm not Jewish. When I met the Lord, I got born again. When when my wife met the Lord, she's she's Jewish. She woke up in a sense. Uh, that's my words. She probably wouldn't say that, but I've talked to multiple people who are Jewish who say they, they've never felt more Jewish when they come into uh, a belief is in Yeshua as Messiah than, it, than ever before in their life. And the point is that just like that unique Jewish expression has to be viewed as part of Messiah's body. It isn't the only part. We can't go back to the Acts 10 mistake, but it is a part and it's an important part and it's gonna vary with the Messianic community that's participating. Um, so, as has been commented before, our one new man is, is not the objective. It's a stepping stone to our goal, which is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this day and age, in the same way it was in the first century. That's what we're after. We're after the body of Christ having the same power and authority in this day and age as it had when the gospel first went to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Gurney, let's let's open it up to some of the other panelists to comment yeah. on that before we move to the next issue. I think that what you just said was really great, Gurney. And I think that um, it's totally, truly a matter of perspective 
It's totally, truly a matter of where you are coming from individually. I'm Christian, I'm Catholic, I was Catholic, but I grew up in a very Jewish world. So to me, I was very aware of this my whole life, okay? I, I knew that uh, we Christians, I knew that the Jew was first. Christians uh, were after the Jew. Um, and, and, what I'm, and it's just really wonderful that this is being taught. But it's just like you're saying, Harriet had her perspective due to her upbringing. You had your perspective due to your upbringing. And I think that what it is, is to however, whoever, to some, for example, you just said messianic Jew. People don't know what a, some people don't know what a messianic Jew is. And so therefore, they have a completely different perspective. So it's everyone comes from a different, you know, a different upbringing on this and a different knowledge on this. And um, uh, I heard someone talk yesterday about communion and saying that the a communion, I thought this was pretty cool, was a common unity, a unity when you take communion, it's a unity, a common unity among people. Um, and, and I thought that was a way of putting the, the two words, the, taking that one word communion and pulling out different words from it, such as numanity. And this is a really wonderful thing, but I really believe it totally comes from, as you've just said, where were you raised in your head? In, in, in what do you know? What is your background? And what we're trying to do, which I think is just wonderful, is to just lift up everyone to this understanding that though you were raised this way or your teachings well, were. Well, Patty, yes. the, the other thing we're also trying to do is to expose some of the things that have been taught and, and spawned by the evil one to create separation and division in the family. So it's not just about our upbringing. Um, it, the, uh, what's going on here is that there are obstacles the Lord wants us to become aware of so we understand what needs to be removed and how the church needs to be prayed for so that the Lord can restore us to the former glory for the latter glory. So can we have one of the other panelists uh, comment? I have a quick comment, and I think it speaks to um, what everyone has said, and it goes back to the video teachings, Grant. I, uh, I believe it's session four of the video teachings where you have a tree, one side of the tree, if memory serves me correctly, has more of a pinkish red hue the other side of the tree has more of a blue hue. And then in the Jewish side of the tree, there's a small branch that represents the Messianic Jewish community. Um, and it's maybe a purplish hue. And just as I was watching that video a few weeks ago, I will honestly say that when I saw it, what originally, what immediately hit me was, well, why isn't that Messianic Jewish part or branch over there with the Christians. But thankfully, the Holy Spirit stopped me in that and asked me specifically, why would they have to be enveloped in the Christian side of the tree? 
And that's the subtlety of this. So that when we talk about wanting us to become one new man and wanting the love of Christ to um, to just rule in our hearts, and we talk about and even reference the first century church, the first century church didn't differentiate between a Messianic Jewish community and a Christian community, except that they all came together in one way, one body. And so that's, that, that is my heart. And I think what we have to be careful of is the subtleties of how we see that replacement theory and ideology, even when we're coming from a place of wanting to come together as one new man. Right. Just even that I would immediately or initially see that little part of the branch that's messianic in the Jewish side of the tree and wonder, well, why can't they just be in the Christian tree? As if somehow the Christian side of the tree was the alpha side of the tree. Does that make sense? I think so. I think um, I, you know, for sure in this restoration, uh, one of the keys is for us to understand that both messianic and Christian expression should be honored and respected. And that there needs to be love and liberty on both sides of the olive tree. We need to come together and support and love one another. And that kind of brings us to our our next uh, question tonight, as far as uh, the Father's heart. And I've asked uh, Jed, Jed Robine to to comment on the significance of the Father's heart to bring about that love and liberty in the family of God once we've overcome the obstacles from our backgrounds that have caused all this separation and and pray God that the enemy has been removed from our hearts and our minds. So Jed, over to you, brother. Thanks, Grant. Excuse me. Uh, Good evening, brothers and sisters. Great to be with you all. You know, I, when we think about uh, the Father's heart, you know, Jesus' own words, he said, you know, I, I've come uh, to that you can come and, and, and find the Father. Like he's the mechanism through which mankind encounters the Father. No man comes to the Father but through me, is what Yeshua said. And I want to point back to what Gurney said. Uh, he did a great job of just saying, you know, Christianity didn't begin 2,000 years ago when Jesus showed up on the scene, this is a divine purpose that was in the Father's heart as the creator of the heavens and the earth. Um, And I want to point to two scriptures, John 17 and Ephesians 2, 11 through chapter three, verse 13. You know, Jesus is expressing this desire for oneness. Father, I desire that, that all who would ever believe in me would be one as you and I are one. And so we have to understand whether we're Jew or Gentile is that the divine purpose of God, Yeshua coming and, and paying the, the price for our sins and ransoming us back and redeeming us, uh, whether we're Jew or Gentile, when we put our faith in him, we're, we are connected to the divine family. God's loving trinity that's been, been there from the very beginning, this is the beating heart of the universe, is the Father's heart. And it's... As the Apostle John said, God is love. And so how can we claim to love God and hate our brother? Or how can we speak forth fresh water and bitter water come out of the same well? And so he's transforming us through the gospel. 
He's transforming us as we are being conformed more and more to the image of Jesus. Uh, we are coming more and more into alignment with the way of love, uh, which is what, we've, what we're being saved into is every tribe, every tongue ransomed to worship Jesus as the lamb and to have a, a reconciled and restored relationship with the father. And so this is why the enemy hates this so much. And this gets into my second point, which is Ephesians 2, where the apostle Paul lays out that the enmity and the hostility that existed between Jew and Gentile has been destroyed. That wall has come down because of the blood of Jesus. And now he's making one new humanity out of these two groups. And he talks about how we're being jointly fit together. Stones were becoming the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, and he says in chapter three, verse six, that this was a secret that had not been made known before previous generations that the Gentiles are joint heirs together with the Jews of the promises of God. And so that's a revelation that Paul drops in the letter to the Ephesian church that had not been made known previously. And he was saying, hey, I'm in chains for preaching this message. Uh, I'm paying a price for declaring this. And he says in, in chapter in chapter three, verse 10, and this is where we'll get back to the discussion, but I just want to highlight this because it's so important for us to understand. He says, God's intention in this was to bring these two groups together, Jew and Gentile in his church to declare his manifold wisdom to the heavenly realms. So when we love each other and when we enter into the divine love story that's been happening since the beginning of creation, God's wisdom is declared into the heavenly realms. And we're talking about the end times revival. We're talking about the return of the Lord. We're talking about the bride making herself ready. Beloved, when we enter into that love, we are going to start displacing powers and principalities that are in the heavenly realms. The gospel isn't just a declaration to humanity. It's a declaration through the spiritual hierarchy of the universe, of the truth that Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And he's the Messiah for the Jews and he's the Messiah for the Gentiles. And we come into his family and love must be the manner in which we conduct all business, all conversation, all interaction must be love. And the enemy has done everything he can. And we're talking about those obstacles to throw us off so that we never enter into the power realm that is available to us because of the blood of Jesus. He died for this relationship. He died to save us, but he's, he died to place us in a family. He died to restore relationships that were broken. He died to break down that wall of enmity so we could actually be not just in covenant with him, but we're in a restored covenant together through his blood. It's an amazing opportunity we have, and I'm just, I'm blessed, Grant, to be a part of this again and um, turn it back over to you. But that's the Father's heart is at the very center. It's his desire to bring his family to himself. And he's gone to great lengths, giving his only son in order to make that happen. You know, if you look at John 17, and specifically in that light, what is it between the Father and the Son and between the Son and us that brings about this uh, love, this unity, it, it's, it's the love. And uh, we're just believing God to bring us to a new place in the way that we express that love. Uh, of course, I think the, the cross is gonna play a far greater role in each of us to help bring that about. 
but um, there is uh, such a significant place um, for us to really uh, move in 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 the in the type of love that Yeshua has for the lost, that Yeshua has for the people in the world when they're in the midst of sins and rebellion, and and yet um, his he loves them perfectly. So, any comments or questions on that? Yeah, I think one of the I love this uh, what people are saying, but I think one of the biggest obstacle is having a sibling perspective rather than the father's perspective. Um, I remember David Damien saying that he got straight A's in the medical school, and then he was uh, happy to show his father what he achieved and all. But at the dinner table, his father didn't respond at all. And then he asked his mom, what's happened? He said, your, your brothers were fighting, and your father's so grieved about that. And so it just realized, ah, he was only seeing it from his sibling perspective, not the father's perspective. Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, and so we just really, and part of it is, I think the biggest obstacle is self-centeredness. We only see from our perspective, but if we not only see it from others' perspective, but the Father, God's perspective, then it really makes sense. So that's it. I, I would say, you know, it's interesting. One of the reasons why I believe that the, the church has such, such difficulty seeing the end times clearly is it's trying to look at the end uh, solely through a Gentile lens. And the one you man is just not Gentile alone. It's not Jewish alone either. It's both. And um, we're never going to be able to see uh, God's perspective without his heart and without this place of love for one another and tolerance and, and patience and forbearance. Elisa from Panama. I wanted to ask the difference into what is Israel as a people and what is the Jew? What is the difference between Israel and Jew? That's a great question. Who would like to answer that question, panelists? I'll answer it. Well, the, the term Jew uh, comes from the word Judean. Uh, so essentially the descendants of the tribe of Judah and, the, and actually became the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, which included many of the Levites in the temple, but also the tribe of Benjamin. Um, after the 10 northern tribes were taken into Assyrian captivity, uh, majority of the population left in the land of Israel uh, were Judeans. Uh, and so um, they were taken into Babylonian captivity uh, and the temple course destroyed um, again uh, or the temple was the first temple was actually destroyed during the Babylonian captivity and then uh, when they returned uh, 70 years later uh, that's the first time we hear the word Jew used in scripture so a Jew is uh, somebody who is a descendant of the tribe of Judah and uh, an Israelite would be somebody who is descendant of any of the 12 tribes of uh, Jacob uh, although many of the the ten tribes we've lost their identity uh, because of the the captivity and m many didn't return although many remained in there's always a remnant that left was left in the land uh, but um, most didn't, didn't return so they're called the ten lost tribes of Israel or the ten northern tribes and then 
Um, and then today the word Jew is used sort of synonymously to reference anybody of uh, the 12 tribes, whether they know which tribe they're from or not. Um, if you're an Israelite today, or an Israeli, actually, uh, you would be um, living in Israel, uh, but not all Israelis are Jews. Most is Israelis are uh, Jews, but uh, we have Arabs, we have Muslim Arabs living there, Christians, um, we have other small religious minorities that, that live in Israel as well. Uh, so if you're an Israeli, then you're, you know, you're living in Israel today. But generally the reference to Israelite is somebody who is descended of one of the 12 tribes of Jacob, God renamed uh, Israel. Um, the bigger question that people often ask is if I'm a Christian of the Gentile nations and I'm grafted into Israel, am I now a Jew? That's, that's the bigger question that people often uh, wonder and ask about. And the answer is um, not, not really, uh, because as we've already heard that, you know, the, God divided the, the nations into families of the earth. And so he didn't intend for every family to be of the tribe of Judah, although we're all connected to um, Jesus, who is of the tribe of Judah, the line of the tribe of Judah. And so we're all sort of connected to that tribe, in a sense, all the tribes of the earth are connected to it. But that doesn't mean that we lose our identity in terms of how God created each and every one of us. So we, we have this kind of unique um, nationality that we, we still continue to carry, and I believe we're going to carry, carry that nationality into the uh, kingdom of God, the millennial kingdom. And so there's this small remnant of Israelites that God's going to restore back to himself, and, and, uh, and many a remnant of the tribe of Judah, Judeans, and uh, others from that tribe and the tribe of Levi, God's going to restore a remnant back to himself as well. And I think that in the kingdom, we're going to recognize our identities, but we're one family. And I think that's the, the, the beauty of the one new man is that, you know, Israel was one nation, but 12 independent tribes living within the nation of Israel. The United States is one nation, but we have 50 states. It's, a, you know, like um, we're the United States or like a commonwealth. The early states were called commonwealths, like Virginia. Uh, and Israel is called a commonwealth. And so God's going to bring all these other nations around Israel as a commonwealth of all of these nations that are attached to Israel. And so the heart of God's kingdom will, of course, be Jerusalem and Judea itself, Judea, Samaria, uh, and then the rest of Israel is at the very heart and center of God's kingdom. But all the nations are attached to God's kingdom, are part of the kingdom of God that's going to cover the entire earth. And then all the nations are going to flow, as we know, up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles and to come together in the great assembly of God's people um, forever. So I hope that answers, Grant. Uh, I tried to not be yeah. too long with um, couple of things. You could also make the argument that when people believe in, in Jesus, that they're, they're Jewish in the spirit. You also have the other aspect of uh, in, in Romans 11, if we read Romans 1 through 6, yeah. um, there's uh, Paul describes the, the journey uh, 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 and the pathway of the Jewish people in Romans 11. And in the first part of Romans 11, he talks about the remnant 
and these are Jewish believers uh, like uh, like myself, like Eric is actually an Israeli Jewish believer, and there are a number of other Jewish believers on this call. Hallie is also from uh, Jewish background, Susan Torregrosa, and there are a number of others on the call that are from a, a Jewish background. We are what's known as Messianic Jews. We are Jewish believers in the Messiah. And so we are we are the part of Israel that actually established the church and founded the church and took Yeshua out to the nations so that God's children from the nations could be grafted into uh, who could believe in Yeshua and be grafted into Israel's covenants and promises. Yeah, Eric, how would you uh, how would you relate that to being a child of Abraham? How would I relate to that? Yes, as far as you know, Jews and Gentiles believing in Yeshua. It's the Holy Spirit that has really united us all uh, together. I mean, in the natural, we we all come from different families, and we may have different skin color. Uh, you know, whatever differences we carry in the natural, but it, the Holy Spirit is is common and is the same in each and every one of us. And so it's the Holy Spirit that, that binds us. The, the promise that, you know, going back to Abraham, I believe that Christ is the fulfillment of every promise that was given to Abraham, not just for the, the Israelites that he would make of him this great nation, Israel, and the, these 12 tribes, but ultimately that he would bring in, he would be the father of many nations and he would, and God would bring these other nations together through the Holy Spirit and in Christ to be this big family of, of God. But, but it's interesting that he doesn't say that, that he would make of Abraham one big giant nation who would cover the whole earth. He says, I'm gonna make of you a great nation and the father of many nations. So, so why, the, why the distinction? Of, of many nations. And I think that that's kind of what I'm trying to get to is that there's a, a soul that God has put into each and every nation and every family of the earth. And yet in that uniqueness, we, right. are, we are one family. Exactly, right, so, exactly. So that's, that's the beauty. And, and actually where, where the, you know, this, the, this teaching, this restoration and realignment is going, is to, for us, if you think of the olive tree, it's for us to be able to exist as all these different nations and backgrounds and races and tongues, and for us right. to be able to exist in love and unity and right. to respect uh, the callings and the traditions that the Lord has has given us, not, not for the church to think or the children from the nations to think that the church has replaced Israel, no, uh, right. but rather, but rather that Israel would be honored and its calling would be honored and respected and even supported. And that's actually one of the fruits of this restorations is for the for the children from the nations to get the revelation that a strong messianic body is going to help establish a pathway to Israel's salvation. Establishing a pathway to Israel's salvation is also establishing a pathway to the end time harvest. The two of them are intrinsically linked. So, uh, Eric, thanks very much for your input and insight on that, brother. Um, and the final, the final question goes actually to to Susan, and it has to do with the fact that this message of restoration in the family has been hidden 
You know, um, if you look at uh, Ephesians 3, there are, you know, God does very similar things with the family mysteries between Jew and Gentile. And if you look at Ephesians 3, uh, which relates to how God's children from the nations were, were, uh, were brought into the family. At one time, it was a mystery. And of course, um, um, uh, um, after, after Yeshua came and the gospel went to the nations, the children from the nations, um, you know, really accepted the message a whole lot more than, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, than, than the, the Jewish part of the family. So, so um, there are similar principles um, and this message of restoration now has been hidden primarily in the church age. So Susan, I want to hand over to you on that. Thank you. I, I agree, uh, you know, that this message of restoration, reconnection and realignment has been hidden from the, the start of the church age up to now, just as Grant was saying, that the, the mysterious message of the Gentiles being co-heirs with the Jews was also concealed for a time. And I mean, there are loads of scriptures, Hebrew scriptures, in the, he in the Hebrew scriptures about God gathering the children of the nations to himself and uh, to become what was later referred to, and we've already heard this, the Commonwealth of Israel, as opposed to replacing Israel, as some people have mistakenly believed. But um, none of these things were, were in the forefront of everyone's mind at the time, even when, um, when Yeshua was saying that, he spoke about his other sheep, right? But the religious leaders of his time didn't understand. And then when they started realizing what he was talking about, they completely rejected the idea that the nations should be just as involved as as uh, the, the Jewish believers. And today we're seeing the opposite reaction. Um, the Gentile family doesn't really understand um, that for them, they need to embrace Israel and the Messianic believers as part of God's family. Um, it's a reversal because then the Jewish believers didn't want to bring in the Gentiles. Now the Gentile believers need to come to the understanding that they not only have to embrace the, the believers that are already Jewish, but the, the other, um, even Israel, the ones that are not believing, they need to embrace them as well. And, and so um, I thought it was interesting. We've been talking about what the relationship is because um, I look at it as a family and both sides of this family in the past and even now, the Jews and the Gentiles have distanced themselves from each other. Um, and it says right in Ephesians 2 that, you know, Yeshua, Jesus broke down that wall of enmity between the two groups and that now we're supposed to be unified and that he's made a way for us to be unified. And so, you know, and, and it's very typical of sibling issues. You know, how many times in the family you know, do you see, you know, brother and sister, brothers and brothers, sisters and sisters all arguing with each other and not agreeing. And and so, you know, the, the Lord really, I, I love what um, we were talking about, Ephesians 3, verses 2 through 11. Paul spoke about this mystery that the Gentiles are supposed to be joint heirs. And that now, basically what he was saying is now I'm bringing this message about this mystery to be known to the body of Messiah because we need to start coming together 
And then he says what Jed said about, you know, we need to announce this to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. And, you know, in other words, in addition to moving into this reconnection ourselves, getting our minds around it, getting an understanding of it, getting it into our hearts, you know, what the Father's heart is about all of this, um, we have to also make intercession for this to come about on earth as it is in heaven, because what does the word say? That, to, that this is something that has to come about, that we truly need to come together. And, you know, he was talking about God's heart for all of this, that, that he wants his family to be together. And I always liken it to, you know, when, when, the, when the wedding of the, of the groom of Yeshua to his bride takes place, we don't want any empty seats at the table and either does he, he wants us to all be there. He wants all parts of his family to be there. And, you know, Paul is giving us this view of, through the lens of the father's heart, which is to both sides of the family, to the Jewish side and the Gentile side, rather than looking solely through a, a Jewish lens or a Gentile lens. And it's really up to us the remnant of the ecclesia to to be a catalyst for this message to come forth and really 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 you know take into consideration what the father has said that that we're meant to come together and what paul is saying in ephesians is so important that we catch this that that you know we've kind of missed just like when yeshua was saying i have other sheep now we're saying, well, you know, we have Yeshua's collected all these other sheep. We're coming into the time of the fullness of the Gentiles, and now it's time to go back to um, picking up the rest of the sheep from the original side of the family that have been missed, and and that's been hidden for all this time. And and it's really important that that we truly um, get that message across. I think we can conclude from tonight's discussion that there is a great need for us to go deeper into this restoration and this reformation because there's so much confusion, so much misunderstanding, um, uh, so much um, uh, background from, uh, you know, from our nationalities and from how we've grown up and stuff and the influences in the generations. Um, and the Lord is wanting, you know, to release his mercy to clean us up and get us ready. You know, it's very interesting. If you look at Romans 11 and Paul's dissertation on Israel and the church, he ends with this scripture, for I've given you all over to disobedience, that I may have mercy on you all. And, you know, we could paraphrase that by saying when it comes to this restoration in, the, in God's family, there's, there's been a lot of disobedience and the enemy has led us down a path and he maintains, he maintains division and separation among and through us. And we need to begin to unpack this to expose him and rid him from the body and allow the Father to release his mercy and wash over these influences to restore that unity, really, that Eric was talking about through the diversity. And there must be love and liberty in in this in 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 an Abba's olive tree as we come into this new wineskin that we show love and respect. We uh, the the key is not for all of us to be the same. It is to bless 
what God has created. As I always say, the Lord loves pizza, Chinese food, and matzo ball soup. Hallelujah. Amen, beloved. Um, we really enjoyed the discussion tonight. Um, I want you to be aware, for those of you who are not familiar, we now have 12 to 14 hours of Bible study teachings to help us to move deeper into the one you man. And already a number of, of the beloved on this call are engaging in those teachings. And um, I just want to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm visiting a number of them and the dialogue is, that is that we are engaging in is just taking us all deeper uh, we've had intercessors who've been praying for israel for 15 to 20 years of uh, making statements like they they feel like these teachings are helping them to blossom like a a budding flower and um it's time for us to go to the next level and there is a great need for us to study and to renew our minds and thoughts once we've allowed the Father to remove some of these obstacles and hindrances um, that may have been affecting each of us individually, there is a real need for us to even have a discipline and a commitment to engage uh, and allow the Father to, to renew us as in Romans 12. And it's interesting, I, I always say it's interesting, Romans 12 comes after Romans 11, and it's about renewing our minds and hearts you know, related to the Israel and the church piece. So um, if you've really enjoyed tonight, uh, and we will do our best, unfortunately, these teachings are not available in Spanish yet. We're gonna do, we'll do our best to work on translations for those for the future. But if you've really enjoyed tonight, please um, help us to promote this. It's once a month. Uh, you know, we specifically only doing this once a month because we just recognize how busy we all are. But one, you know, one hour a month, I think is something all of us can put aside and such a, a great need to enter into dialogue. And we want to hear from you. We want to encourage you. You know, we send out the questions, the book pages beforehand. Take a look at it. You know, come to us with your questions and your comments. We we really want to engage and, and no question is silly. So really, um, we bless you in the name of, of Yeshua. Is Robert Wolf on the call? Bob, are you on the call with us? I am here. Yes, I am. Would you like to, to say the blessing over us, brother, as we close Always. out? Always. Always, yes. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, to be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and grant you his shalom. Thank you, Grant, for that insightful discussion. To dialogue with Grant and Halley, please send comments and questions to email at romans911.org. Again, that's email at romans911.org. 
If you resonate with the Romans 911 project, please pray about partnering with us to bring this reconnection message to the threshold of the church. Sign up for our monthly email. Join our global virtual meetings with other believers to dialogue and pray together. And most important, read the Romans 911 book, Time to Sound the Alarm, and view the Romans 911 study guide 12 to 14 hour video teachings, which are free when you purchase the study guide. The Romans 911 books and teachings are transformational into God's end time plans to prepare the bride and reform the church. They help to create the breakthrough that will change the world. The reconnection message is like a golden key from the heart of the Father to restore love and unity in God's family that opens the door to the fulfillment of Yeshua's prayer in John 17 and it establishes the pathway for the body of Messiah, the body of Christ, to receive the greater glory. But this reconnection message in the one new man has been hidden during the church age, in the mystery to reawaken Israel to faith, and is only just now coming to light. That's why we need your help to fund this project, to bring the message forth, to help us blow the holy shofar, to awaken the greater church into this restoration, now is the time. Would you pray to give Chai, to give life to the reconnection, to reach the church and the messianic body, and help unite the family of God? To fund the Romans 911 project, we have created the Give Chai Life Campaign. Chai is a Hebrew word meaning life, but it also represents the number 18. And for just one Chai, $18 a month, you can make a difference. Please be prayerful about this. We can't do this without precious saints like yourself who are beginning to get this revelation to help us bring this message before the church. For more information on the Romans 911 project, please visit our website at romans911.org. It's easy to remember, romans911.org. Please also subscribe to the Romans 911 Project wherever you listen to podcasts at the end.